Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 371. Do not be freaked out by a couple of people saying some things. Don't change your ways. If you believe that it should go a certain way, do not let a little bit of noise turn your path. There's one. Two, know that there is a way to do anything and about a thousand ways to do any one thing. So just find the way the river is going to flow. Find that path. It can all happen. And three, get to work. Don't waste time. Don't procrastinate. Get ahead of everything you can. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Have you heard of Watsi, a.k.a. the Work Opportunity Tax Credit? Well, HireMe is a platform that connects amazing employers with amazing hourly workers, and it can hook you up with some Watsi. To learn more, head over to restaurantunstoppable.hireme.com. That's HireMe, H-I-G-H-E-R-M-E. And if you contact HireMe about Watsi services for a limited time, you will get three free months with their featured hiring software. Get on it. Toast is a simple restaurant platform only for restaurants that connects the POS system to online ordering, gift cards, loyalty, labor, sales reporting. You get the picture. This sucker is all in one. And recently, Toast received $101 million worth of investment, and they're celebrating by giving away $2 million worth of hardware to new customers who sign up with Toast by the end of September or until supplies last. To get your free hardware, head over to pos.toastab.com slash unstoppable 2017 or click the banner in the show notes. You have to use my links. And with excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Jack O'Sullivan. Jack, my man, are you feeling unstoppable today? I'm feeling unstoppable. (laughs) Yes, we're here on site drinking. uh, What do we have right now? A peak? Organic Brewing Co. The Super Fresh, the Wicked Dude, Dry is, Hop This is good. Thing. This is why I like going on site. They mm-hmm. offer you things like beer. It's great. So in 2006, University of New Hampshire grad Jack O'Sullivan and Sarah Tibetz. Did I say it right? No, Tebbets. Tebbets. Sorry, Sarah. Took over ownership of the Big Bean located in downtown Newmarket, New Hampshire. Uh, 11 years later, the Big Bean is still going strong, racking in accolades like New Hampshire's Best of Awards. And in the past year, O'Sullivan has opened his second restaurant, the Oak House, which is right next door. And from what I can tell... Things seem to be going pretty well. Um, that's just scraping the surface. I can't wait to find out how you got to where you are today. But let's get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling with a success quarter mantra. What do you got? Well, as far as the big bean is concerned, we always say only the strong survive. <laughs> only the strong survive. Dive into that mantra and what it means to you. Uh, well, you know, I really wanted to build a place for workers, you know, and not... Uh, not a separation um, of front of house and back of house staff. I wanted to have versatile badasses that could just do anything and everything and would do it all. So from the very beginning, it sounds like you really wanted to establish that culture of if you're here, you're here to work, maybe have a good time too, but 
do work it while hard, you're play working. Hard, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Awesome. I love it. So when did it all start for you? How did you get into this industry? Well, uh, I started picking strawberries when I was nine. I suppose that was the first thing I did with food. Okay. I went into dishwashing when I was 12. And then I worked a cafe job for five years uh, in my hometown until I was ready to go off to college. I got up to college up here, and I still wanted to stay in restaurants. I'm a skinny guy. I want food when I want food. You know, I don't <laughs> want to work anything else where I have to run and find food. Okay. So I like it being right there. Nice. I love the atmosphere of restaurants, uh, the camaraderie between staff um, and serving people, meeting new people all the time, the connections it makes. And restaurants are just, you know, the... So is center that, of society. Is that the yeah. core of it for you? Like the why behind what you do is the people, the connectivity. Is that what it really drives you? Oh, yeah. Awesome. Life Beautiful. is other people. So so let's kind of dive into the, the point where you knew that this was going to be your career. Because you, from what I could gather online doing the research with the school at UNH, like we mentioned, um, and then you were working at the River House, which is probably, what, like eight miles down the street from UNH in Newmarket? The River Works. Oh, sorry. Yeah. The River Works. Thank you. Um, so... How did you get into that role, and when did this really start looking like it might be a career for you? Well, I started managing at the Riverworks, and I was given the manager job, and I was not expecting it, <laughs> um, just for the front of house wait staff. Uh, and, but that was a big honor for me to, to do that, to have people have faith in me yeah. and just seeing my skills, not judging me from my hometown and what they knew of me, but just the fresh, clean slate. They saw me, and they saw me as really good. So. Okay. I started believing that a little bit, um, but didn't really believe it at the same time. I never okay. thought I was going to own my own restaurant, but I paid attention you know, I, to everything. I was a good consumer. I'd go around to many different places and see how they did things, and, and I'd be competitive in my mind. It's like, oh, I would do this and this and this. It would make it more streamlined, and, and I've always told my employees here and everything, as soon as you think you can do it better than me, then you should own your own nice. and I feel like anybody should do that in any job that they're in if they can feel they can do it better than their boss like don't stop complaining about them just open your own nice like, go and do that yeah that's so was that kind of the environment that you had over there did you learn that from them or is that kind of just always been with you and that's more been with me uh I was a black sheep in my family and everything I was told I wasn't really going to do too much oh man so my dad got really upset when I got busted for pot one year and said I could never be a bus driver at that point and I was like I didn't wanted you know ride a yeah well, it wasn't bus. you know I don't, <laughs> but you know that was what he thought i was going to do and i i thought i could do more you know like you know not that i don't want to knock bus drivers but like i just thought i could do a little bit more intricate work so i uh so when i got the job uh the management job at the riverworks which i was not going for i started you know trying to be the best manager i could okay. i everything is what it is and I was trying to uh, help you know the staff and the boss and everything come together mm -hmm. on what we needed to do there okay and so you said you weren't going for that position it was given to you what was it about you and how you worked going back probably like 15 years ago now that separated you from other people that you're working with in that particular case uh, and in a lot of cases uh, it's my speed I was able to take about three times the amount of tables as other people were so okay. It seems quite obvious for them to promote me. Okay. Well, what about your ability to just lead? Was there something going on there? Did you did you take initiative to train other people? Were you setting the standard as far as service and hospitality? Like, what else was going on? Yeah, I mean, I always liked great camaraderie with you know the people I was working with. It wasn't like a competition outright with them. Um, I, 
I was usually bailing them out because they couldn't take more tables and be yeah. like, that's fine, I'll take them, you know. Um, and when I could, I'd help them and I'd I um, do do some. <laughs> that's embarrassing. That's what happens when you have an important phone call and you have to turn your phone on <laughs> earlier in the day. Sorry. I would. I would push them at times and everything to be better. I would uh, bring the competition to be like, you know, I can roll silverware faster than you. I can do this faster than you. And, and so they'd start to try to better themselves rather than be like, hey, I'm just wasting time here at a job, you know, until I eventually go get my real job. So that's huge, though, because you're encouraging people to, to take it up a notch, but you're also making it fun. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, that's a huge part of it. Like, you don't have to make it miserable you can make it fun you can do work and make it a good time and making a competition out of it's one way to do it that's a little nugget there that you just shared with us as long as it's a friendly competition yeah Yeah. (laughs) Uh, what else was going on in this time of your life at riverworks uh that you think might have helped form and mold you into somebody who could open their own place well geez that was about it really i uh you know it, it, it was you know, I'd have to go back to my high school job, actually, to, for the real molding. Um, being a front of house waitstaff manager, I made a schedule. I came in, I waited tables. I, we got our work done. It wasn't, it wasn't all that hard. Okay. But my high school job was a, was a cafe that was just not, wasn't conceptualized in how to run. Okay. So when I got there, I would take a customer's order. I would make their espresso drinks. I would make their bagel sandwich. I would, you know, I would take that one customer's order, and I'd have to be in every station to do it, okay. like to do their whole order. There wasn't stations like at a barista, an espresso machine. It was like a bunch of chickens with their head cut okay. off. But it's hurt. It taught you how to move, you know, and get all your things done and be toasting a bagel while you're steaming your milk for your latte, doing all these things and multitasking. Yep. Cool. Um, and kind of just making time stand still and everything coming together in four minutes, you know, with them, with ringing them out and people would be impressed. So as a youth, I was, you know, I was very proud of that and would just try to get better at that, you know? So it was a chaotic situation that like led me to, to really hone my skills. Okay. So you took those skills over to Riverworks. Uh, they saw something in you, you were killing it, uh, eventually promoted you to manager, and how long were you working with them as a manager before um, you decided to go on your own? I'm curious. Well, actually, uh, I didn't. I didn't buy the big bean right out of out of that job. I thought I was going to do what everybody else said was go get a real job. Okay. Um, <laughs> and you know, I went and I ended up trying to make sure trouble teens didn't uh, do crazy things in the night working a third shift job and I was like this is a complete waste of my abilities like Wait, what, what were you doing exactly I was just an overnight at a trouble teen school okay and it was a boarding school and I would pretty much make sure that they didn't sneak to the girls floor to you know <laughs> so okay. that was my job was shining a flashlight in people's faces every 15 minutes to make sure they were in their bed and it you know it's a job that needed to be done, but it just really didn't suit my yeah. skill set. Okay. So eventually I sat down with my partner, had a beer, my future partner. This is Sarah. This is Sarah. And uh, I just told her that the Big Bean was for sale. And she said, let's buy it. So at this point, what was she doing? She was waitressing at Annika Jans. Okay, a pretty well-respected restaurant in Kittery, Maine. Yep. Uh, and what how did you guys know each other how did you from school i'm assuming yeah we went to high school together so we know each other for a long time so 
Where are you guys from originally? I'm curious. Hollis and Brookline. Okay. So uh, you guys have known each other for a long time. You went to school together. Um, both working in the restaurant industry. Did, did she have aspirations of one day owning her own place? Not that I was aware of. But okay. when we were having that beer, I think she was having that really early midlife crisis that I was also in. Yeah. Like, and my shit should be coming together, and it's not. What, what are we going to do? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. are we always going to be employees and doing this? Are we, yeah. you know, because her English degree and my theater degree, we didn't really, yeah. we weren't pursuing anything in it. Her grammar is still horrible, and, like, you know, I'm, I'm not good at rehearsing. Okay. So um, we weren't going, I wasn't going into theater. She wasn't <laughs> writing anything or doing any journalism. Awesome. So uh, this is what we had done. And we realized that, like, you know, all the money that we had spent on school and, and doing all that, it's like we were in our schools all the time with the restaurants. Yeah. And so we felt most comfortable there. Yeah. So talk me through that, that series of events. You somehow you discovered that this space was available. Um, you brought it up to your business partner. How did it all unfold? Well, from that point, when she said, let's buy it, I said yes. And I went and talked to the owner at the time, Michael Welch, and I had worked for him for a summer, um, just kind of being New Market's all-purpose waiter at yeah. uh, the Stone Church, the Riverworks, and the Big Bean. And I went and talked to him. I said, we were interested. He had had a couple buyers, but they dropped out. And he had about a two-month threshold okay. on selling the place because okay. his wife wanted to move back to Long gotcha. Island. So it was going to be shutting down either way. Okay. So... What we did is we went in and um, did all of our research that we could, like is, is the research that we thought we should be doing. We asked about a thousand people about a thousand questions. Uh, it was two months from that point when I said yes till we owned it. Well, let's kind of dive into that. That's really um, some interesting stuff. You just said that you did your research and you're asking questions. What exactly were you looking for? What research were you doing? What questions were you asking? <laughs> <laughs> Anything and everything. I mean, it's uh, what would usually scare people and everything is licensing. What do you go? Where do you go? What do you do? You know, and even at that time and everything, we couldn't rely on Google as much. You know, really wasn't up and going. You know, there was there's ways to find things out. But I I can't imagine, you know, doing a restaurant pre Google. (laughs) I mean, just to be able to have, you know, those answers at your fingertips yeah. is, is an amazing advantage. Now. Absolutely. I, I, I tip my hat to every restaurant owner before uh, because it must have been really, really hard. Um, but what I'm, I'm sorry, repeat your question. So I'm curious what research. So it sounds like you're just doing more research on what you had to do to pull it off, not necessarily like market research. Um, what's really interesting about this situation is that you're taking over what seemed to be an already successful operation. Um, so I'm curious, uh, do you think that having a turnkey operation and moving into, you didn't, you, you from, I mean. It wasn't really that successful. At the time. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, so take was, us through that. I mean, their weekdays used to be 500. Um, okay. You know, and their weekends would be 1800 max. Okay. And now we're more at like two thousand to three thousand weekdays oh, wow. and 45 to five weekend days yeah so. i was just here last tuesday and i tried to get a table on a tuesday at a ten thirty yeah. in the morning which you would think would be a slow time for for breakfast uh, on a tuesday and there was a line yeah <laughs> so you guys are doing a great job um well michael welch he he did what he could yeah um, but he was a sole proprietor okay and it's pretty hard 
doing everything. He was not only a sole proprietor, he was like the main grill cook as well. Okay. So you can imagine doing all the administrative, yep. dealing with all the employees, and being the main cook in a place. It's not going to lend to extra time to make it really great. So let me ask you this. What did you and Sarah do differently that you think made it work versus where he might have come a little short? Well, to start with, we had the energy to clean and give it a fresh, fresher look. You know, we changed it from the light blue with dark blue trim to the, these lovely Crayola crayon box colors. Yep. You know, brings people Very back vibrant, into the lively. day. Yep. Um, we did a lot of wood trim. We put in the breakfast bar. We changed where they had the register because the flow of the place just wasn't right for okay. them. Um, we took the dying cactuses out of the flower box and started putting real flowers in. <laughs> and then we attacked the food. We attacked the food severely because uh, they had a, a base menu that was creative. Not as creative as it is now, okay. but like they were heading in the right idea. For it 2005, is, 2006, it was creative. Yeah, yeah, it was you know, compared to the diners around and everything that are sort of serving eggs and ham. You yep. know, like it, it was, you know, breakfast burritos okay. and um, senior homies, which is a, a bunch of things mixed up with our home fries gotcha. and like cheese. Some, some things different. Something more um, California, you know, right. like it just those kind of more fresh ideas yeah. and, and different things that you wouldn't find in a diner around New England. Okay. Um, and we just wanted to elaborate on that, you know, and we would. We did things like changing his paste salsa, which he was using, to a fresh pico. Okay. Um, and uh, making our own biscuits. Okay. Uh, he uh. would get pre-baked bagels in for the week, and we don't make our own bagels here, but we get them in par-baked from New York, and we bake them off oh, cool. fresh every morning, so they are fresh-baked bagels. Yes. Okay. So you, you changed the menu up a little bit, um, but you also, I mean, the original question is, what did you do differently? And it sounds like one of the things you did differently is you found a partner to tackle this together. Yes. Uh, as you mentioned, he was a sole proprietor. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me ask you this. Without Sarah, do you think you would have been able to pull it off? Certainly not in the same way. Okay. Certainly not. No. Um, we have a really good balance, um, and and we have the energy to push each other too. There's nobody to there was nobody to push Michael at the end of the day. You so know? so what is it about Sarah that makes her a good partner? How does she compliment you and vice versa? Um, she's the good cop. I'm the <laughs> bad cop um, as far as the employees go. Okay. Um, she's more aesthetics. Um, more uh, hard labor. Okay. Um, she, you know, it's kind of a classic male-female, how they balance yeah. each other out. Okay. Um, and it, it just worked so well. Like, I, I don't like talking to customers. <laughs> I like driving employees to work hard yeah. and everything. So when we have an open kitchen. So when customers come up to talk, like, they get over time that, like, you're not going to get more than a couple words out of me, yeah. you know, but she is the one that will be like, Oh, hi, how are you doing? And everything. Yep. And which is important, but I'm also trying to train our customers. Like, I know we have an open kitchen, but you see these workers, <laughs> they are working. Yeah. You know? They're busy. So, um, you had the partnership, you kind of gave it a fresh vibe, a, a fresh feel, uh, kind of picked everything up, a facelift everything. Uh, what about, uh, the capital? Uh, cause from what I could gather, you did this pretty, you know, on a, on a, a shoestring budget, and I, I read things that, like you had thirty-eight volunteers, and like most of what you did was from volunteer help. Dive into that and the value of just like, you know, doing a bootstrap, like and just really being lean early on. 
those are the funnest parts of <laughs> restaurants is like when you're, when you're getting in and you're creating it. Um, and we were young, we were 26. So we had about, yeah, I, you say 38, I'll believe you. Um, it was, it was something in between like 30 and 40 people that were in here for our thirst first 13 days. Okay. We got the place in 13 days. We did so much to it. Um, like from build outs, major cleanings, paint, everything, yep. like everything. Um, but we, but not everything because we did over the next four years still had it to, to keep doing it because as you said, we were on a shoestring budget, yeah. but we had, um, we had about 20 grand to work with and 20 thir- grand, 20 grand. And we had to leave about uh, eight of that in the account to start, of course. So you had 12 grand to work with, with the basically getting it from where it was to where you opened it under the new ownership. Yeah. And I think I read someplace too, that you had to invest a hundred thousand dollars. We had a what? Maybe that's not accurate. Like how much, how much of your own money did you have to invest to get the doors open? My own personal money, zero. Zero. It was all private investors. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, So how do you get those investors? You big. <laughs> we, we found out really quickly that, you know, banks weren't going to give us money without collateral. We were okay. 26. We had no idea. Um, so we first went to family, okay. parents, um, and then we went to friends. And, and it wasn't too hard. We had to, to get $45,000 because back in 2006, we were able to buy it for a song at, at 25000 Okay. But we also had to replace Wait, so every you, piece of equipment in you, here. Okay, so you bought it for 25000 and you, what was the additional uh, 15000 going towards? And the additional twenty was okay. all the build out okay. that we needed to do and, and start up money in the account. Got you. you. You need a cushion in the account to start out. So. Still, did you say 40000 was forty five. Forty five. That's mm-hmm. That's not a lot. No. That's not a lot at all. No. Um, and I mean, what, what was your biggest lesson about how you pulled that off? If hindsight being 2020, any advice to somebody who has to do it, what you did, uh, on a shoestring budget bootstrap, like what's your advice to that person? Well, I hope you have good friends and good help around mm. at the time. Um, see if they like PBR because <laughs> that worked for us really well. <laughs> And always be the lead worker. Mm. You know, if you want people to help you out and everything, you better not be standing back and talking. You better yeah. be showing that like they're the helper and you are the driving workforce, mm. and you are very appreciative to have their help. So this whole journey of becoming a restaurant owner it sounds like it starts way before you ever even open the doors, surrounding yourself with people who know, like, and trust you, who are going to go to the bat for you and go to work for you and help you out. Uh, so what was it about you that, and Sarah that you think attracted all this help? I used to throw a lot of parties in this town. That was very, very helpful because <laughs> I went to college here. Um, so, and Newmarket's a close-knit town. You know, there's, you know, all those people uh, that helped us there, I, I, I would guess maybe one or two of them are still in town. But there's still always a large group of us in yeah. like the center of Newmarket of people yeah. that are social and and just hanging out yeah. all the time because it's a great um, light party culture mm-hmm. in Newmarket. So. so there's a lesson in that, just having a presence yes. in the town that you're opening a restaurant in because you're going to need that, those people early on to help you out. Um, so what was your biggest challenge after you did get the doors open and you were uh, in business? What, what was that like? 
the biggest challenge then and like always continually both restaurants is is people it's um getting people to buy into the fact okay. that this can be a real job a lot of money can be made yeah um and that's why we have the hybrid system here um where yeah so i want to get into that but first before but we first, get into yeah, that i'm jumping the gun <laughs> <laughs> how do you get people to buy in that's a huge something that we can't just skim over real quick because there's a lot of value in that uh, so how did you get people to buy in? Um, I took this lesson from one of my acting professors, uh, UNH. But it's you simply have to be serious about it. And I, when I was going to school, I found a lot of my professors like you know seemed to care less. They were going through the motions. And I skipped my first acting two class. And I went in um, about 15 minutes late on my second day. Okay. My professor stops the class, brings me out into the hallway, lets me know that I cannot miss a class at all, and he'll forgive the first one because I didn't know, but cannot miss another class, which I was full well going to take my three absences, you know, <laughs> like most college students yeah. would. Um, and that I also have to be 15 minutes early, warmed up, ready to go for exactly when he walks in that door. Awesome. I was like, you're going to be serious? Then I'm there with you. I'm there <laughs> with you. I will be serious too. Yeah. And I put my all in. Yeah. So... I always let them know that I'm very serious about it and that, like, you know, it's, yeah, it's a Crayola crayon color box, like, cafe. Yeah. But we bust our asses here, and we make a lot of money because we do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, it is about leading with that serious. So it's attitude. just you can't expect from anybody what you're not willing to put in yourself. Yes. So to get people to buy in, you have to buy in. Mm-hmm. And everybody that you're surrounded with is going to be a ref- reflection of what you believe. So. Mm-hmm. You've got to believe it. You've got to buy in before anybody else buys in is what I'm hearing from you. Yes. Beautiful. I love it. Um, anything else you want to add on to that after you take a sip of your beer? I don't want to rush that sip. <laughs> That's fine. Um, well, no. No, I mean, like, there, there's a lot of things that that leaks into that that become from that, from yeah. you being serious. Um, one, you're obviously, if you're serious and everything, you're working really hard and your work's going to be pretty stellar to the situation because, mm-hmm. you know, you have the most concern as the yeah. owner. Um, and then it just leaks all down to them. Okay. But you, but you can't be a dictator in the situation. Mm-hmm. You have to let people explore what they can do. Like, I, I can't do it all. I'm not a bread baker here. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not front of house staff. So... It's not like I can go out and teach them how to be the best, but I have to tell them that I need the effort for them to try to be the best, and then they see how good they can become, you know. And that's that's goes by personality. Okay. You know? So what else has contributed to your success? You said getting people to buy in was one of the, the biggest challenges. You were able to do that. What else did you do early on to help get this thing to where it is today? Like well, it. he's putting a lot of thought into this. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's streamlining, you know, for speed. I, I believe, you know, we are in what yeah, a fast food culture now. And even fast food is kind of dying in a sense. But like the consumers want is still not to wait for their yeah. food. It's so it's it was really about streamlining, being able to get things done very quickly. Okay. And we're all old fashioned here. We're writing guest checks out by hand, bringing the slips back, bringing it back yeah. out front. 
But that movement and everything, when everybody's going fast and everything, is also a show for the customer. Yeah. They want to come in and see it. Yeah. Even if they got a, you know, a crappy couple of over medium eggs and everything, yeah. they might forgive it because they're seeing people work really hard for it. Well, yeah, there's tons of energy yes. in this place, which is one thing, and you feed off that energy. Yes. So how, what were some of the, the big lessons you learned in expediting that process and making things streamlined and quick? Any like little system tricks you can teach us before we move on? Well, eggs cook quick. That was helpful. <laughs> um, uh, well, you know, as most restaurant people will know and everything, you shouldn't be walking anywhere if your hands are empty. Yep. If yep. there's anything you can do, you do it. Yeah. Um, and that's about it. Like it's. What did this process of making your restaurant more efficient look like? Was it like one day everything was just more efficient or was it like continual like little tweaks here and there over time? No, I, the, the big thing there was convincing the first employee. Okay. To con- I, we convinced the first employee, not our first employee ever, but the first employee we could get really, really serious. And he started our hybrid system, which I, I'm, I'm not yeah. going into. Um, Real but, soon. <laughs> <laughs> but he, uh, um, I got him to buy in to my passion for how good I wanted this place to be. I did not want to be a joke restaurant that, yeah, we'll go get, you know, some eggs, you know, like yeah. I wanted that line out the door and he bought in and he took the brunt from a lot of the other staff because, you know, they were more grouped together and it's like, yeah. no, we want to be lazier. We don't want to do everything that mm. Jack is saying. Um, and he ended up leaving, but then I threatened all of their heads if they wanted their jobs, like that they were going to have to step up to the table. And then slowly, one by one, you know, people bought in. They okay. saw the benefit from it. And they started not only having just me, like, do this, but they will infuse that into the new employees. And they will say, you have to be serious and you have to be better Man. at your work. And it's almost self-governing at that point, you know, because they see the benefit of it. If it starts to get off track, they lose money, you know. Yeah. They lose their place that they're proud of to be at. Yeah. Man, uh, I wish I could just find a way to, to bottle whatever it is you did, however you were talking to them, or just to put together something that spells out how you got these people to buy in. You mentioned it before that you bought in first. And it's just that continual... I guess the question I need to ask you is, how do you show up every day buying into what you... Like, buying in yourself and not lowering your standard? Is there like a... like? Was there a conversation you had with yourself every morning? Like, how do you show up every day long enough to get everyone else to buy in like you buy in? Well, I still get the enjoyment out of being good yeah. at what I do. Okay. You know, it's so that's uh, just that natural reward of just being good at what you do is enough for you to keep showing up every day. Certainly for me, being a black sheep of a family told yeah. that I couldn't do anything. Okay. You know, it's, yeah. uh, I'm showing them always that, like, you were wrong. Yeah, I am doing something. I can do something. I'll continue to do many, many things. I love it. Beautiful. Um, so we're already 30 minutes into this conversation. I think it's time to talk about this hybrid uh, system you got. And it's actually one of the things that really interests me about getting you on the show is this, this struggle that the industry is having with front of house and back of house. Mm-hmm. The, the, you know, the distribution of it, the wages, basically, the people in the front of house are typically making way more. You need a lot more skilled people in the back of house, some people would argue, and it's not really well balanced out. So what was your solution to, um, I guess, this hybrid uh, 
I don't know what you, what would you call it? The, the, hybrid, the hybrid system. The, yeah. the hybrid. Take us through the hybrid system. What it is? I'm sure we didn't invent it here, yeah. um, but we did name that that here. It might be called something else somewhere. Okay. else. I'm not sure. <laughs> um, but the hybrid system starts people, you know, at the dish pit. It works them up to the grill. It works them through our toast station, which is more like a Garmin J station um, and and a prep station. And then they get to the floor, which is the good money. So they go through this whole system of learning about the food, what's in it, like how to make it, how it is made. So every person that starts here starts in the dish. Yes, or the grill. Okay. If, if they have experience. If they have experience, yep. yes. Okay, so what's the benefit of that, of making them go through the tiers like that? Uh, well, for the employee themselves and everything, they have a goal to get to, to get mm. to the floor because the floor is double the money. Exactly. Um, and for the owner and the, for the quality of the employee, they know everything. They can help out, like, just running back in a station. Their hands will never be empty mm-hmm. with things to do because they know those little knick-knack things mm-hmm. to do, which cut down so much time mm-hmm. because here is all about shaving down time mm. so it's pretty much standing still and you're surfing on top of the huge wave of slips that you have okay so you start them in the dish and you, you gradually get them to take on learn new positions but it also gives them something to work towards which was huge and uh everybody who works here who's been here like you're you're most i guess what's the word uh your most seasoned employees still work every position they still rotate through yep so yep, kind of dive into that, how every, like you're, who, whoever's cooking on, on Tuesday might be serving on Wednesday, who might be being a, a I don't know, like a, what, are the, what other titles do you have here? Server, cook, dishwasher? Server, grill, toast stations, but we okay. call them Okay, so you just here. all rotate through. Yes. So how does that solve the, the, the issues that are in our, our industry right now? It solves it for the employee. This is it's about equality, and the equality even hits the owner in the hybrid system. Okay, it's much harder on the owner to run the hybrid system. It takes a lot of training. Um, if you lose that employee, you lose somebody you, you sunk you know yeah. anywhere from eight months to a year's training mm-hmm. into, and eventually you do lose employees. Mm-hmm. You know that's going it's to inevitably happen. Yeah. You know, uh, so you have to start all over again, and it's a long process. Um, also, scheduling insane yeah. to be like all right this person needs two on the floor this person needs yeah. and two in the kitchen the yeah. and unless you can solidify a regular schedule which you know we've never been able to do um for many reasons everything comes up uh it it gets very very difficult mm-hmm. even in payroll going through and just processing your payroll it's much easier when they're like you know bob makes 15 dollars an hour he worked 40 hours bam you know it's it's like well bob actually did this and this and you got your tip line and, you yeah know, like, and um, it's it makes it all just much more complicated. The worker, the, the employer is working a lot more, okay. um, but it becomes much more equal. You know, yep. we're working more as we should. We're not just vacationing and and being like, is the restaurant running all right? It's like, well, we're all working together. Yeah, they feel that equality. They know we're there and serious. And I feel like it also gets rid of that division between the front of house and the back of house. Oh, them versus us. There is no front and back. Exactly. Of house, yeah. And why is that important? How has that impacted operations? Well, they get along so much more. Mm-hmm. They respect each other, mm-hmm. you know, for, for their skills front and back. Yeah. 
you know, and they got to work together, and yeah, whether you, <laughs> on the grill on a busy day or on the floor yeah. on a busy day. So yeah. it creates in a great camaraderie. Yeah. So, you know, you can just sympathize too. Like, you know what it's like to be in the front of the house. You know what it's like to be on the grill. So instead of just getting angry at that person, like you're like, I get it, you know, yeah. and I'll just, I think that that understanding is huge too. But what about people who have certain strengths and weaknesses? Uh, but like, they need to work on their weaknesses. Okay. Only the strong survive here. Yeah, I guess so. So if you're poor on the floor, you better get better. If you're poor on the grill, you better get better. Okay. You know? So you're saying basically people naturally get weeded out. They can't handle it. Um, Yes. Okay. Yes. But the thing is, you don't need to look at it that way (laughs) and everything. A a good example is my good friend who used to work here, Isaiah Winterbottom. He, uh, He was busing. So he's out, you know, like helping the wait staff. He's going to get tipped out by the wait staff, but he's making more of a kitchen wage. And he was like, oh, I'm not going to roll silverware. I'm not good at that. I was like, stay here and roll this next hundred pieces of silverware. You'll be good at it then. Mm. You know, we don't, we don't just get compliant with our weaknesses. Gotcha. We, we've got to push through those. So what would you say with the hybrid system is the most, the biggest benefit? Like two things that are the, the biggest benefits of going to that system. The two biggest benefits are certainly the employees become versatile yep. um, restaurant Jedi. Somebody calls in sick, no problem. You got somebody yes. who can just shift over, call an audible. Yep. yep, and just their service cooking during the day is streamlined. You know, you'll have a grill cook. You know make a sandwich, wrap it up, bring it up and ring somebody out like because they saw everybody was busy. Okay. Um it just makes everything go quicker and okay. vice versa like uh, you have a wait staff member go back and everything and they see like hey, you didn't put sour cream on that like they they know the dishes, they know how they should look, how they should be. So uh, there's many levels of judging the food before it actually gets to the customer. Um and that is the biggest benefit making them Jedi. Uh, the second biggest benefit is the feeling of equality, mm. you know, even among owners and everything. Like I was always a worker. I didn't want to feel like I was above everybody. Yep. I wanted my skills to stand out for what they are. Like I always have, but I didn't want to feel like, you know, I'm, you know, that boss that, you know, you just have to kiss his ass yep. and, and like, he's going to be going on vacation and then we can screw off. It's yep. like, I, I wanted the team equality feel. Got you. So, okay, those are the two benefits. Let's talk about um, the biggest hurdles uh, with approaching this type of system. We kind of touched a little bit on the scheduling mm-hmm. and managing all that. What are the, the biggest drawbacks to this type of operation? Well, I mean, if I'm talking to a bunch of restaurant owners out there, then, like, it's much harder work. It's much harder work because usually that training is going to have to come from you. Mm-hmm you employ the system um it's far more rewarding uh it's but it's uh definitely very very hard you and when you lose somebody and everything your heart kind of breaks in two because you train them so much Mm -hmm. you got them to a certain point and then they're off so it's it's sad but like it's happened to me so many times i'm i get numb to it Mm -hmm. and i'm just like all right well there's going to be that next person like how are we ever going to replace you know levi it's like well let's see what this nick guy can do and like all of a sudden they show up and it's 
recreating that always. So it's rewarding as teaching, but it, it hurts every time like somebody leaves and it's like, oh, but it's a job. Yeah. <laughs> so. so I'm curious, as they're going through, like in learning each new role, they start at the dish and they maybe move the toast or whatever. As they're moving through these different roles, are they getting incentives? Are they getting raises for each new role they learn? Or is it just the... Uh, you get you the, the goal is to get to the front of house, and that's when it pays off. No, there's there's kitchen raises before, um, and there's kitchen raises after they get to the floor as well. Okay, so, so uh, how are those raises determined? Um, proficiency. Okay. How much you can handle. Okay. Um, work alone. There's no judgment beyond that. How well do you work? How okay. strong are you? How much are you handling? You know, are you saying that's not my job? Are you saying like, Attitude, oh, I'm not going to okay. clean that mess in the bathroom? Yeah. You know, like it's not going to get a raise from us got you are you moving fast you know got you cool so all right um you've been in this uh you were in business for 10 years before you you decided to take on more responsibility with the oak house like three doors down or four doors how how many doors down two Two. doors two doors down um what was that transition like uh taking on that extra role uh how did you set yourself up for success in that regard Um, Well, we had a really good knowledge of the town, and we felt that it could be really improved there. Uh, So it was offered to us, uh, well, to me and and to Sarah, and Sarah didn't want to do another one. So I had some people who would do it with me lined up. Um, Who were these people that were lined up? How did you know them? One lived at my house. Okay. He was a youngin', but he had gone to culinary school, was working in restaurants, and always knew he wanted to own a restaurant. Yep. Um, and he had started one with somebody else, but that partnership fell through. Okay. So, uh, and he was kind of sore about that, and I knew uh, that he had incredible potential. Mm. So, What did uh, you see in him that made you know? What, what, what skills did he have? What potential was there? Dive into that potential. Um, the nonstop working ethic. Like he had, he had to cover about a thousand shifts at the job he was at, and yeah. he was there for all of them and would just kill himself with work. And that's what you kind of got to do, especially in the beginning of a restaurant. So I knew that was there where he can work. Okay. So the work ethic. Many, many hours. Okay. Cool. Yeah. What else was there? Um, out of him? Yeah. Um, youth. Energy. Yeah. <laughs> it's huge. People, yes. it, you need that endurance early on before you need to recreate yourself and other people, but you need at least a good five years yeah. minimum to like put your energy and have somebody else absorb that, some of that energy, some of that knowledge, some of that skill. Uh, so, you, I mean, it's, it's so powerful if, if you can use that energy well early on, for sure. Um, Plus, he had a pretty nice chip on his shoulder. I knew yeah. he wanted to prove it. Yep, so. yep. You cool. see that chip on the shoulder, you can really see what somebody yeah. can do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so what were your biggest challenges going from being an owner of one operation to now being an owner of two operations? Um, well, since I'm close with the staff and the yeah. hybrid system, uh, it was more or less you know, making sure everybody at the Bean didn't abandon me. They mm-hmm. were fairly upset when I got a second restaurant. Yeah. Um, tried to reassure him it was a career choice for me and like you know not a personal choice sarah the other owner is walking by right now i'm trying to wave her over to say hi but she's She's quite she's shy we tried (laughs) um so i'm sorry where were we uh we were talking about sorry uh i asked you 
your biggest challenges from going from one location to two locations. Uh, your staff was disappointed when you were leaving. That's kind of where we were before I derailed you. I apologize. Yeah, it, that was the biggest challenge. Um, I expected actually from that staff, I, like I had bled with, you know, and, and been there for them in so many ways and every way that I could for years. Um, I, I would expect more support from them and I didn't really get it, unfortunately. Um, and not a, as a whole, I mean, some people were certainly supportive, um, but, uh, all in all, I came back to like people acting like I was a stranger, and I was only two doors you're down. Like people were that you're what? Say that again. I didn't hear you. My staff was acting like I was a stranger. Oh, like, you know, yeah. So it well, was, one thing it was just coming into my mind as you were talking, and this is something I picked up from um, the book. It's my company too, from Tom Walter, which is a past guest on the show. In uh, what he has called uh, a, an entangled organization, where it's not owners and in, in employees but it's you create a company of leaders where everybody you sh- is level everyone's on the same ground you, it's not just you leading everybody but you create that company of leaders where no matter who's in on a given day they all know how to do everything you know and yeah. it's like uh, that company of leaders it's it's tr- transforming people not mm-hmm. just having a transactional relationship where they show up do their one job you pay them you say goodbye like you transform them you give them skills you teach them you educate them and uh is that am i hitting the mark or is that i think you're hitting the mark exactly okay, cool um and and that can be very very hard for owners because yeah. some people think like you know I, I had one of my employees telling me like don't put any recycling in our bin and it's like what do you talk like <laughs> i am your boss that is my bin <laughs> and yeah they but they could cross great, some seri- serious lines, you know, where but it's like... at the same time, it's great that you've created a culture mm-hmm. that you can be challenged and that people yeah. are willing to challenge you because yeah. I bet there's been occasions where you've been challenged and you're like, scratch your head and you're like, shit, they're right. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, but I am from the old school because, you know, I, I didn't work in any hybrid system places yeah. where it's like I... You don't show your boss disrespect. Yeah. They, they, well, they can only guess how much sacrifice you went through mm-hmm. to get the place as it was. You know, yeah. I wasn't making money really for a while, and I was working insane amounts of hours, and I set up a system that rewards them. So I do expect respect for that. Yeah, you know? I bet. Well, you should. Um, so, when, so when you create a restaurant of leaders and everything, and, and they feel cheeky enough to take jabs at the boss (laughs) that happens certainly like the pride in me is like yeah because i'm also you know i'm not just sitting down like being like you guys are doing a good job i'm right there among them being a badass myself so i do expect the respect and sometimes with that group of leaders they look to chip at you yeah because they know you are the leader so what's it like having this new operation that's not quite like i mean it's a full service operation over there. And from what I can tell you, you're not implementing the hybrid system there. Oh, the you're wrong. Oh, you, okay, cool. It hasn't been for the first couple of years. We okay. we're actually really starting to get it going now. Okay. Um, a lot of our kitchen staff are going out and training right nice. now. And, and that is starting. Uh, we lost, uh, three front of house staffers like over the last month and it opened up the opportunity, which is the right time yeah. where we have our systems down to uh, start implementing it. 
and everybody's very excited about it. Awesome. You know, uh, people are going to make equal money, you know, and, and people are going to know what's going on yeah. front to back in the restaurant. So do you think the hybrid system of rotating everybody else through is better? We're back to the hybrid system is better than the, the say the Danny Meyer solution of charging, uh, a mandatory, uh, what's it called? The, uh, gratuity, the mandatory. Yeah. Gratuity. Like paying everybody yeah. $18 an hour across the board yeah. and charging more for your customers. Well, that's a risk. Yeah. That's a risk. What if you lose your customer base? Cause like, yeah, you know, it, Customers like customers just won't see it like that mm-hmm. way. Not every customer that's going to go up and read their menu now is going to get that they were doing that. You know, yep. um, it could work out very well for them. It could not. They're very brave for for like trying to trailblaze this. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it better? I don't know. I don't it works know. for you. I mean, it's it's a way to do it. If you want to be an <laughs> owner that's having a lot of vacations a year, no, no, it, 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 I don't recommend it for them at all. Um, and even though like you're busting your ass and you want respect all the time, like I always gave my bosses who really weren't busting their ass next to me, you know, like sometimes I don't get that. Sometimes mm. I get questioned by people I I brought up and trained. Yeah, made them Jedi myself. So. <laughs> So that happens, but that might be more my personality yeah. than, than it is the hybrid system. But I know I've always proved it. I know I've always done the crappiest jobs and like show that, hey, I'm here and I'm serious and I want your most serious work. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I don't know. I've often told my employees, I was like, I don't know if I can recommend this system to other people because mm. it gets so hard on us, you know. I don't think I could do it any other way because there is an equality, a love, a respect thing yep. to it um, that I have for my employees. Sometimes maybe like I'm just sensitive yep. and it dealt with some incidences yep. that that like it's like I, I don't think I could recommend it to other people. They wouldn't get what they wanted of being a boss. Yeah. I have one more question for you, and it's going to be about your failure. But before we dive into that failure that you experienced and what you learned from that that failure, uh, I want to ask you just to kind of free freestyle for a little bit and tell me like what the biggest lessons you've learned, things you know to be true. If you can just drop two bombs of knowledge on us or three bombs of knowledge on us, things that you wish you were told when you were you know <laughs> figuring this stuff out. I will. Do not be freaked out by a couple of people saying some things. Don't change your ways. Mm-hmm. If you believe that it should go a certain way, do not let a little bit of noise turn your path. Mm-hmm. There's one. Okay. Two, know that there is a way to do anything and about a thousand ways to do any one thing. So just find the way the river is going to flow. Mm-hmm find that path it can all happen and three get to work Mm. don't waste time do it start don't procrastinate get ahead of everything you can awesome um all right jack so tell me about a time you fell on your ass hard with a failure what you learned from that failure and how you got back up i don't like to fail (laughs) none of us do um, I really don't like to fail. Um, 
but I suppose. I mean, that's a hard question. Yeah. That's a hard question. That's why I ask it. I can only look at little failures and then. I suppose I know my biggest failure. Okay. Leave room for life. Leave room for life. Mm-hmm. Because restaurants are incredible and you want to make money and you want to do everything. But don't let any one thing, whether it's your job or anything else, all encompass you. Leave room for life. How do you leave room for life? You got to set aside time. And when things come raining down, you got to be like, I'm sorry. This has got to be my time. Yeah. I got to do this. So but, when do you set your time? Like, when's your time? Oh, uh, well, that's my failure. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't have it. Okay. Um, but, but it's important. You know, it's... Mm-hmm. You know, it has me, like, questioning, like, yeah, I'm successful. Two different restaurants doing great numbers, and, you know, they're, they're well-known now and mm-hmm. doing great. But I'm strung out. Yeah. You know? So it's... So what's your plan to get to the point where you can't make time for yourself? Well, that's secret. Okay. I can't tell you my secret <laughs> plan. Everybody would use my plan if they, <laughs> they knew my secret plan. Um, but, you know, it's... It's about training. It's about it's about being able to get both places uh, managed and the right people in line to do so. I'm mm-hmm. um, getting people serious about being in the industry for a more longer term, not seeing it as like just a passing through job, mm-hmm. and making it worth their while to be there. Um, so, what do you mean worth their while? Let's use the example over at the Okas. You're you're one of the owners. Who are mm-hmm. the other two owners? The other two owners are Tyler McDonald, who is my young in there, my young chef. Okay. And uh, Eric Greenler. Okay. We just call him Greenler, though. Okay. Um, and they're great. They're, I'm actually at the Bean a lot right now and everything, doing a lot of training. So I haven't really been over at the Oak House for a little while now, and, and they're really pulling it together. They uh, had some learning curve getting into the ownership side So they're of both things. younger than you, right? And they have no, one's a, one's a couple years older than me. Okay. And, uh, and then one's re- much younger than the both of us. So, so are you, the two of you, is it safe to say, are you mentoring this, this young buck? Yes and no. <laughs> I mean, we're all mentoring each other in yeah. ways. Um, you know, certainly there's those stereotypical things he had to learn yeah. being like 21, getting yeah, a yeah. bar, um, and just being 21 in general, yeah. you know, uh, but no, I mean, his, his wealth of knowledge about food and, you know, is, you know, we're learning from him every day mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Um, but it, it's, it's a, a good trio of balances between us. Uh, it's Eric is, I call him Eric. I can't believe I did that. Greenler is, uh, um, been more of a kitchen manager side of things okay. for a long time. Um, and he brings a wealth of knowledge to that and usually you know, really helps Tyler out with the organization of things because chefs can just be about like making a great plate. And yeah. there's so many things that go behind the organization of that plate and making that plate again and, yeah. you know, and, and doing all those things. So it's been great. And they, neither of them have owned before. Tyler only for a hot minute really owned a place and then it fizzled out. Um, but uh, so I'm bringing more the knowledge of, the business side the business side of, of ownership so is that part of it for you and your plan to have the, the, the you time bringing in other young people who you can mentor and uh hopefully maybe 
have absorbed some of the responsibility so you're not putting so much on your own shoulders? No, not necessarily. I always want to put in my own, my own do work. In fact, uh, for this case and everything, because I had to come back here a lot and everything, I knew the structure of the Oak House was going to need a little bit of um, financial pillowing. So I didn't pay myself for the first two years. Actually, I get to write my first check for myself tomorrow. But you also have the income from the the big bean. But I do have that. Yes. Um, so I was able to do that. Okay. Um, so it's not like I haven't worked in the last two years. Yeah. I've done a lot of work actually over there. Uh, but I wanted to make sure it was going to be successful and mm-hmm. I couldn't do it by putting in the hours that gotcha. they were putting in, but I would do it by helping the account be solve it. Some of the financial. Yeah. Got you. Awesome. Anything else you want to add before we move on to the speed round real quick? No, hit me with a speed round. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a quick break to thank our sponsors. We'll be right Whether back. Whether you're hiring Dude, a line cook, right server, now. host, or manager, hiring is a time-consuming endeavor. However, there is a little-known way to lower your cost per hire. It's called WOTSI, or Work Opportunity Tax Credit. By hiring qualified workers from certain target groups such as veterans, SNAP recipients, and individuals living in empowerment zones, you can potentially receive thousands of dollars in tax returns. Hire Me is all about maximizing employer effort and Watsi is one great way to do just that. If you want to be guided through the Watsi process every step of the way, visit restaurantsunstoppable.hireme.com. That's Hire Me, H-I-G-H-E-R-M-E. And if you contact Hire Me about Watsi services for a limited time offer, you will receive three months of free hiring software. Get on it. Ever since episode number one, Restaurant Unstoppable has been tracking the most recommended technologies from our past guest mentors, and Toast is at the top of that list. With Toast, you get online ordering, gift cards, loyalty, labor, sales reporting, ELO, kitchen-grade monitors, and handheld tablets to empower your staff. That's right. No more traffic jams at the POS system. Toast customers have experienced a 20% increase in revenue via improved throughout. 3x increase in tips from digital signatures and a 50% increase in online ordering after switching to the Toast platform. Recently, Toast received $101 million worth of investment and they're celebrating by giving away $2 million worth of hardware to new customers who sign up with Toast before the end of September or until supplies last. To get your free hardware, head over to pos.toasttab.com slash unstoppable 2017 or click the banner in the show notes you need to use my links and we're back the first question i have for you is what is your it factor a habit a trait a characteristic you believe most contributes to your success chip on my shoulder that chip on the shoulder that your dad gave you when he said that you'll be a bus driver pretty much (laughs) Awesome. Um, what is your biggest weakness? Emotional. What do you mean by that? Uh, I can let my emotions get the best of me. I can let anger get the best of me, like many chefs. You know, yeah. uh, anger can take over. Yep. Sadness can take over. Yep. Um, so how are you dealing with that? Well, I have my many ways to calm myself down, take things with grains of salt, you know, just realize that the next day it's not going to be the same way yep. as it was and move on. So have you improved over time with your anger? Yes, I have. Mm-hmm. I had uh, one of my employees ask me just 
to stop with the anger. And I agreed. And I've tried to hold true to my word. So, so what are you doing? What are you employing or deploying, I guess, or whatever the word is, <laughs> to, to control your anger? I, I just... I just bottle it up <laughs> way down deep. Um, I, I'm just uh, learning to, to relax a little bit more because yeah. life is short and mm-hmm. we shouldn't be so angry all the time. Awesome. What is one piece of advice you have for leading others? Uh, lead by example. I love it. What is one question you ask or thing you look for during the interview process? No fear. Okay. How, how do you find out if somebody has no fear? I tell them this is an incredibly hard job, that they probably won't make it, and see their reaction. And what particular rea- reaction are you looking for? No fear? <laughs> yeah, just, you know, somebody who's just being, dis- is not scared by my warnings. Mm. What is a current challenge today? current challenge today um, in the bean? Just in business in general. In business in general, I believe it's always the equality between front and back of house as, if, as far as the restaurant industry goes. Yeah. yeah. What about for you personally? Me personally, it's uh, just managing personalities together. Yeah. Uh, not everybody always gets along. It's uh, number one rule at the Oak House. I realized from the bean to, to do some ground rules. Number one rule is everybody get the fuck along. Yeah. Yeah. And how do you enforce that? I tell them I'll fire them if they don't. <laughs> you know. uh, all right. So what is um, one a book that will make us either a better business owner, restaurant owner, or a person in general that you can, that you can recommend? One book. Uh, my brother gave me this book, uh, The Tender Bar, and it was about uh, the love of of a bar and it shows how a restaurant and or bar uh, can be like a home away from home if you make that place more comfortable even like you have customers all the time okay what was the biggest lesson from that book the biggest lesson was uh, was like making making your bar your place have personality in its own way um whether little nuances big things different things though not not any kind of standard kind of corporate you know something you wouldn't find at applebee's you know fridays or whatever you know but uh not the same thing its own unique imprint Mm, i like it and that book was called the tender bar uh, a memoir by jr mo ringer that is the one all right, and that's on Audible, guys. So you can head over to audibletrial.com slash unstoppable to get that book for free if you do not already listen to audiobooks. Do you listen to audiobooks? No, I don't. I love audiobooks, man. It's I should great. try it out. Yeah. Um, all right, well, if you use that link, you can get one for free. Um, what's one piece of technology you've adopted in your restaurant that has influenced operations in a positive way? Um, well, I... Well, I would think our pineapple core. Pineapple core? Yes, it's a piece of pipe. Okay. And it just takes the core out perfectly. Nice. <laughs> uh, with, is, 
where can I find that? Can I link to that? Any? Was there like a brand name? I'm afraid I'm not gonna be able to find it. Uh, you know, you, you need to just anywhere that sells like pipe. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> like a PVC piping? Not PVC. Uh, it's got to be metal piping. Okay, so it's just a metal piping that you yes. use. Are awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll link to some hardware <laughs> store or something. Uh, with all the knowledge you have now, if you could go back in time and give yourself one piece of business advice, it's 2006. You're about to open a restaurant. You can give yourself one piece of advice. What's the advice going to be? Uh, one piece of advice I would give myself is learn to manage without anger. Learn to manage without anger. Is there a resource you can send my listeners to to help learn how to do that? Oh, the Dalai Lama, I think. <laughs> um, it. No, I did not really. It's it's about finding your own center, you know. And I don't think any book will necessarily get you there. It's relative to whoever uh, wants to try to employ that. I'm just going to type that. Learn to control your emotions and anger. All right. What is one question you think I should have asked that would have added more value to this conversation? Um. Well, uh, I don't. I don't know. It was a great interview. <laughs> Thank it was you. A great interview. Awesome. Um, you were a great interviewee. Oh well, thank you. <laughs> I, these are so hard sometimes, though. I don't uh, ask easy questions. I'll give you that. You know, hey, I, I really don't have an answer awesome. for it. Well, it's been awesome. Uh, I've really enjoyed making an example of you. We wrap up every episode by calling somebody out. So, who's one independent restaurant operator? Somebody you think would make a great guest mentor, uh, and I'll have them on the show. Well, since at this point, after 11 years, I've been through so much. And, you know, there's probably a lot of things that, you know, I could have answered more quicker and better, you know, six, eight years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you should go for Mike Hoffman up at the Stone Church. Because okay. he's a couple months new owner now, and he's going through a lot. And that transition time, that's, that's where everything's born and bred, you know. Uh, so he's, he's learning that. Yep. Uh, he's got a lot of help and support. A lot of people in this town love the Stone Church. Mm-hmm. Um, and people out of town, of course. So I, I would see him. Mike, look out. I'm coming after you. And let the folks at home know. Uh, maybe if we're in New Hampshire, we want to come take the challenge and see if we can handle working your hybrid operation. What's the best way to connect? Best way to connect? We're really old-fashioned. You come in and you find me. All right. What's your address? Uh, my address is Center of New Market. You'll see me right there. <laughs> Got two restaurants right in the center. And awesome. So that's the, the Big Bean in the Oak House. I'll link to those websites in the show notes. This is episode 371. Head over to restaurantsunstoppable.com slash 371 for a summary of today's discussion. And uh, Jack, thank you so much for taking the time thank you, to Eric. share your story, to share your advice, to uh, share your wisdom. There is no questioning you are unstoppable. <laughs> Another episode wrapped up here at Restaurant Unstoppable. Jack O'Sullivan. Great conversation today with him. And where do we start? There's so much uh, that came out of this conversation. So many nuggets. And I think we can definitely learn a lesson from Jack on the topic of getting people to buy in in that advice he had to be
be the first person to buy in, you know, buy in yourself and then be serious. Set that standard, set that culture of seriousness and just determinism and it has to come from you. You are a reflection of what your culture is going to be. You need to buy in first. You need to let the people around you know you're serious and show up every day like that being the standard you expect your your employees to be. And I think that's a big lesson we can take away from today's conversation. Uh, also, again, just the, the power of partnerships, finding the right partner, uh, something that comes up. A lot of people say that you shouldn't have a partner. And I don't know. I, I think to really be competitive today, you can't do it alone. So it's a matter of finding the right partner. And I think that this is another example of what can happen when you find the right partner. Because the big beam, like we mentioned during the interview, during the interview, it was around before Jack and his partner purchased the, the restaurant. It existed beforehand. But together, they were able to make the concept work with a little facelift and uh, some added systems. They were able to make it work together. I think also another valuable lesson is that idea of having a presence in your community before you try to open a restaurant. Uh, having a connection, having uh, that presence pre-existing the presence of your restaurant, your personal presence, your network, your relationships. It's amazing what you can do when you're a part of a community and uh, you're not just some company opening a restaurant and all of a sudden becoming a part of the community, but making that presence known before. Uh, having all those relationships and having deep roots with people in your community will help you so much, especially in the early years when you're trying to get that momentum. Great stuff there, too. Uh, and then lastly, the hybrid system uh, it answers a lot of problems, like the inequality between the front of house and the back of house and uh, you know just spreading out that wealth and uh, cross training, creating a team of leaders is what comes from a system like this, but at the expense of really having to be hands-on and train your people up to that point. It will not happen overnight. And then that added, uh, I guess, labor of managing a very complicated schedule like that were the two take the, or the two disadvantages. But I mean, definitely a very impactful way of running your restaurants. Uh, creating that team of leaders like we learned from Tom Walter in his book, It's My Company Too. Uh, you could definitely see that correlation there. So, all right, I'm talking too much, guys. This was a great episode. Thanks again to Jack for joining me. And like always, guys, please do reach out to me, Eric, at Restaurant Unstoppable. If you have somebody in your community that you admire who is just killing it and you want to learn from them, you want to have them contribute to this melting pot of mentors, please let me know. Again, Eric at Restaurants Unstoppable. You can find me on Instagram at Eric Cacciatore, as well as Twitter and Facebook slash Restaurants Unstoppable. Keep those five-star reviews on iTunes coming, guys. We've busted 100 reviews. Thank you if you have left a review. Uh, that social proof holds so much power. Uh, your thoughts, your comments, uh, it really helps me out and helps the rating of the show. So thank you. And um, yeah, that's it. This was a good one. I love you all so much. And until next time, peace out.